Welcome to the Fool's Guide to the Occult. I'm Hector. And I'm Luxa, and we are here today with Hannah Gotzka. Am I saying that correctly? You are. Excellent. Of Arcana Obscura, an author of Tarot Tree, a poet guide to the tarot. Welcome, Hannah. I've actually wanted to get you on the show for a little while now, but here we are. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So how are you holding up with all the madness that's going on right now? I hope everything is good. I am very blessed in this time. Um, I have work and I'm healthy and safe. Uh, But I think what's really been striking me about the current moment is that everyone is experiencing this in different ways and struggling with it in different ways. And, you know, I have my struggles like, you know, I have two roommates, but they're often gone for days at a time. So I've been definitely tackling the aloneness demon, if you will, but I'm grateful to have my health and all the resources I need to survive and practices that help me meet myself inward. So I'm doing well. Oh, yeah. That's great. Excellent. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if reincarnation is a thing, what animal would you want to come back as? Can I choose a plant? You can yes, choose whatever you want. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I think I'd go for an aspen tree um, or the whole grove. You know, those trees are technically all connected by the single root system. Uh, and I just love that when you visit an aspen grove, they all seem like individual trees, but they're all connected to each other. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a cool reincarnation. What is your favorite cocktail or, I guess, drink choice? <laughs> um, I haven't had a cocktail in a while. Uh, I guess I make myself kombucha cocktails. I brew kombucha at home, so that's a favorite right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. But I like anything that's sort of like herby and gin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a gin fan too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. And um, what do you do for a living? If you don't mind us asking, you don't have to tell us though. <laughs> yeah, I'm a high school English teacher, so I teach sophomore English. Cool. Fun. Yeah. Uh, how's distance learning going for you? <laughs> it's a different job, um, as I'm sure you also feel um (laughs) but it's but there have been bright spots I work with a population that has I think more access to technology so it's been easier to connect with my students than I thought uh but that's obviously not the case for all of my students so the struggle for me has just been feeling that gap between who has access and who doesn't within the you know, 150 or so students that I teach. So that's been tough. But there are other good things, like a lot of freedom. Totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you with all those things. Uh, yeah, definitely dealing with our, our students that, you know, helping out our students that don't have equal access is, is a challenge. Um, yeah, what hey, do you teach? Uh, right now, humanities, um, but primarily I'm a social studies teacher, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. I'm at a small charter, so I have all three grades every day. Middle school. Yeah. <laughs> They're exciting. 
I've worked with middle schoolers a lot. I love them. Yeah, they're so much fun. <laughs> they are so fun. Well, cool. I'm glad it's working for you okay. Yeah. As much as we can expect. Oh, totally. It's going. All right, let's dive into the fun questions that we're here for. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Arcana Obscura and what that's all about? Yeah, so... Um, I moved to Portland about three years ago, but before that I was living in Chicago and I was working primarily in theater. Uh, and as I was kind of transitioning out of college and into the theater work in Maine's Chicago, I found myself wanting more freedom with my creative work and theater can be kind of restrictive because it's such a resource intensive kind of art form. You need a space and you need so many materials in order to make a piece of art happen. And me and my collaborator, Cassandra Bowers, uh, decided to do a project that was smaller scale that we could have more freedom with. And we had been reading tarot together for a few years at that point. Um, and so we decided to do a project and we called the project itself Arcana Obscura. And it was a one audience member at a time theatricalized tarot experience. Um, and so I wrote poetry for that initially. And that was when I was first starting to incorporate rhymed and uh, metered poetry into tarot reading and tarot work. And I think all of the magic and ritual I know in theater sort of came together with what I was learning about tarot in that experience um, and is definitely the basis for the collaborating that Cassandra Bowers and I have been doing in recent years. Um, but since I moved away from Chicago, Arcana Obscura transformed into almost more of an artist collective. But at this point, it's an artist collective of two. It's just the <laughs> two of us right now. Um, but it's kind of like a, a, ho a creative home. Um, where we can base all sorts of projects. It's definitely a full-time job to be an artist in this world. If you're not a professional artist, you know, I have my day job and Arcana Obscura is kind of a place where both of us can share a website where we share our work and collaborate together and have kind of a shared vision for our work. Um, so what's great is that Arcana Obscura is still definitely in the process of being formed. I mean, Tarot Tree was our first major project beyond our initial theater piece. So we have lots of ideas for coming projects, but we're still in the beginning of it all. That's so cool. cool. Very exciting. Yeah, I just... Yeah. Thanks. I, yeah, I think that's just so cool. Like, the idea of kind of creating that space to get the work done that you want to get done is just so cool. So I love that. Yeah, and not to do it alone, you know, to feel connected to others in making work. Because I think so much art can feel kind of... Um, hyper individualized right now yeah so yeah. it's nice to feel like there's an anchor that's with someone i enjoy collaborating with yeah definitely totally. yeah so how did you get interested in tarot to begin with um so like i said my background's in theater but about six or seven years ago i came to tarot when i saw some fellow theater artists practicing 
um, when I was working at a summer Shakespeare festival in Michigan, randomly enough. Um, (laughs) But I kind of knew as soon as I saw what they were doing and what the basis of the practice was like, I had a pretty instinctual feeling right away that it was something I wanted to know more about. Um, And contrary to all of the mythology, I bought my own deck (laughs) (laughs) and started practicing. And honestly, at first it was very casual. I remember in college in my apartment with my four other roommates, we would just sit on my bed every night and pull a card. And at first, you know, we were just reading what was written in a book. But over time, we started to develop a relationship with the structure of meaning making that tarot is. And man, it just kind of has developed from there. I I wish I could go back in time and tell that version of myself sitting on my bed, just dabbling what it would become. But that, that was kind of my beginning. I'm very much um, a self-instructed tarot practitioner, and I bring that ethos to my reading, too. I sort of think of it as being a very democratic spiritual practice, something all of us have access to and can adjust to work the way that will work best for us. Um, I don't feel as though I'm appropriating or stealing anything because appropriating and stealing is kind of a part of tarot tradition. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to feel free to make the practice what I want it to be. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, You kind of touched on my my next question a little bit, but I I was going to ask, how did you learn to read the cards? Because I've always felt as if um, it was a lot to memorize, like starting the tarot is a thing I've done a few different times over my life since I think sixth Mm -hmm. grade is when I got my first deck and I kept putting it down because it felt like this monumental task to sort of learn all the cards, you know? Yeah, I think one way to approach it that has helped me is to think of the process of memorizing as being very different from flashcard or keyword-oriented memorization techniques that I think we're often used to. Um, I mean, that's what we're taught to do when we're learning something we need to memorize in school, right? Is to have the thing you're going to memorize. And honestly, I think it's more useful to think of it like building a structure of meaning, right? So you pull cards as often as possible and you try to recall those moments when you've pulled that card before. Or even if it's not a time you've pulled that card in the past, you recall a memory or situation that relates to that energy. I find when I do that when I'm reading, and I've been doing this for now like six years, six, seven years now, I have more than keywords and lofty universal ideas to pull off of when I'm talking about what a card means. And honestly, beyond that, beyond that tool of pulling in memory or real lived experiences that relate to a card's energy, my tip is just to do it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I I I don't know if I have a better cheat than that. I just... 
I did I've done it very frequently and I'm not saying I do it daily even but um just doing it enough over the course of years and maybe it has something to do with what you expect knowing tarot to look like um sure I tell people often like read books as much as you need to like there's nothing wrong with using a book in a tarot reading it doesn't mean you haven't made it in some way like you're doing it yeah Yeah, that makes sense whatever tools you need to do the thing right exactly and whatever works for you like you know the books I love might not be the books you love Mm -hmm. and when you find your resource it's almost like you have that partner in the room with you reading the cards who can hold you accountable to a meeting of a card you know Mm -hmm. like this is what I say the card means. And you're kind of like, all right, is that true for me? Yeah. What's the nuance that's true for me, but bouncing off of something that resonates with you to start with. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with you in terms of like kind of finding a way to like contextualize these things into your own life and kind of figuring out like what the resonance is for you. I definitely feel the same way. Um, is there a certain deck that really resonates with you? Is there one that's like your favorite maybe? I mean, I am always going to have a soft spot for my Rider Waite deck. I have like a borderless edition. I've had a few of those decks, honestly, now at this point. But um, I just have, like I said, developed a relationship with those images now. And so I can tap into a lot using that deck. Uh, I won't say it's the deck that has the art that resonates most with me necessarily, although I think the storytelling in them is really powerful. I also love Prisma Visions. I have the prints of the Prisma Visions Minor Arcana hung up in my room. I love that deck so much. I don't know if you're familiar, but the Minor Arcana flow into each other so each suit is like one long horizontal illustration oh cool i have not oh, that's seen all cool. interconnected definitely gonna check um, that it's beautiful um and then i also love patrick valenza's deviant moon um it's a spookier deck people who are not familiar with tarot are often like you're gonna do what now with what because <laughs> um, it's got all these like sort of otherworldly moon-faced creatures um and it's kind of steampunk but cool. the pictures very similar to the rider weight just have a lot of narrative which to me is really important in a tarot deck i think there are a lot of popular beautiful tarot decks that i struggle to read with because the images don't evoke a story in the same way. And I appreciate a deck that has that element. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, okay. Uh, is there a particular spread or you know way of drawing the cards that you prefer or find more useful than others? Hmm. Well, um, I find that there's two questions in what you just said, because there's the spread, and I have a I have a favorite spread, and then there's also a way of drawing the cards. Um, so uh, a reader I worked with a few years ago taught me this. Um, when I'm pulling with other people or with myself, a way that I will kind of get myself in tune with the more intuitive side of this practice is that I will create three piles out of the deck I'm working with. And I'll put my non-dominant hand on top of each of those piles and assign a quality to the pile. And it can be really anything, cold, 
gentle, kind, whatever I want to assign to the pile. And after I've assigned each of those piles a quality, I'll choose the quality I want in the reading. And that will be the pile that I use to pull cards from. Okay. So that's one thing I like to do as far as actually choosing the cards. As far as spreads go, I um, had a coven I was reading with in Chicago, just a group of uh, tarot readers, and we developed a, a spread. We don't really, I don't, know, I don't think we have a name for it so much, but it's very inspired by natural metaphor. So it has five cards. The center card is the seed. The card at the bottom is the roots. And then to the left, you have what is rotting. To the right, you have what's growing. And at the top, you have the sun or light. And I find that though that metaphor covers most of what I need when I'm coming to tarot cards to sort of orient myself. Yeah, cool. So okay. that would be my favorite. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, do you have any maybe fun facts that people might not know or be familiar with concerning the tarot or any fun history? Oh, man. <laughs> I When I like sat down to uh, prepare for this question, I had so many thoughts because I wrote a short history in tarotry, but my understanding of this history is constantly changing and I read contradictory information all the time. So I like to tell people that, that it's I have an evolving understanding of this history and I think it's multifaceted and has maybe multiple versions of some similar truth. But one fact I really like about the history of tarot that resonates with me and my personal experiences, the theorized connection to medieval pageants. I don't know if you're familiar with this form of, it's essentially theater. Um, they're sort of like large scale spectacle based productions or almost like uh, processions, like a parade. Okay. Okay. And I was really inspired by the connection to this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I worked with a Vermont-based theater company called Bread and Puppet, who does pageant-based uh, theater work. And the way Bread and Puppet works is that they'll do these giant plays out in the fields of and hills of Vermont with these giant paper mache puppets of like, there's like a mama puppet, like a blue mama puppet, like a giant blue face <laughs> with hands <laughs> or like sun and clouds. It's very like allegorical. Cool. And I connect to tarot from allegory so much. And I think I, I just love imagining the original pageants and how that may have inspired tarot, even if only in terms of the lore that the pageants were based in, like the Stations of the Cross, for example, with some of the virtues that show up in tarot. But I just, I feel like the metaphor of that is so perfect for tarot. It's like you're met with the energy of a card, something archetypal, but also very experiential and visceral. At the same time so that's just a piece of history i love yeah definitely awesome. oh yeah yeah that's great uh all right so from your perspective how does the tarot work <laughs> uh can i read a poem to answer this question please do yeah yes. please <laughs> um i love this question because i think it's just like 
It's a classic. I think I answer this question very often when I read for people, especially if I'm reading for people who are less familiar with tarot. Um, and I, I will often do readings in parks or parties. I will kind of do whatever space feels right. <laughs> but cool. I find when I do things like that, often I will be reading for people who have little to no experience. And so they're like, wait, what's really happening here? Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of why I wrote this poem. So I'll read it. Um, if you have your copy, it's I'm going to read Arcana Obscura, the opening incantation. That's at the okay. start of the book. Yeah. <clears throat> they say that tarot is a mirror, a celestial game of chess, spiritual poker, a good servant, a bad master. They also say that words are magic. I say if tarot is magic, it is magic of that kind, spell casting of the mind. But language only almost represents truth, for tree is not tree. Tree cannot be the willow waving or the aspen aching, the sudden maroon of maple in autumn. Yet we speak as if language defined the universe, as if it could speak to what cannot be said. But poetry, poetry is accurate because it is elusive. Symbolism is abstract because nothing is just one thing. Tarot is like this. Its spells are delicate, necessarily imperfect in their casting. You meet them halfway at the truth, at your truth, for tarot can only speak to what you know. So when I draw your cards, I ask you to bring your own magic. I cannot cast accurate futures or heal your heartaches, but I will give you poetry, poetry with these ancient keys. Here you reconcile your story with the language magic of these cards. I will speak my piece, spin my spells, enchant the empty air, and you will seek what you must seek. So, <laughs> fuck thanks. yeah, dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel like that poem captures it more for me in the sense that it leaves things still open to inter interpretation. You know, I think some people attach to the magic and some people attach to the psychological reflective tool mm -hmm. and i think whatever works for you you're welcome here totally, totally. yeah, yeah. i really it. like how you you talk about um or you wrote about uh reading tarot in sort of a secular way and that really kind of shifted my perspective on just like working with the tarot in general just as like a tool for self-reflection i thought that was really paradigm shifting for me a little bit and i think like when i say secular it it's it's challenging for me to talk about because I feel both secular and spiritual about the practice myself. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's absent of magic, but I also think like this poem was saying, it can be so many things. And I would hate for people who maybe connect more to it in a reflective tool way than as a magical ritual way. 
would feel I would I don't want them to feel turned away from the practice. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was the daughter of two doctors who didn't go to church. Like I <laughs> had no spiritual upbringing whatsoever. They were like science. <laughs> and I sort of popped out and I was like I have all these feelings about the mystical world <laughs> and they didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> uh, so I like think of my own family when I say those things, like they're welcome, even if they're not feeling the magic I feel when I'm reading. Sure. Yeah. Well said, dude. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I'm glad that resonates with you. because It's a thing. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, I definitely get that. Um, so what have been some of the biggest challenges maybe when it comes to working with the tarot and maybe how have you sort of addressed or overcome them? Mm-hmm. Many variations. I mean, little things like I said, I will read in parks and I've had some very interesting experiences. I started saying I wouldn't read for nothing at some point, you know, I was like, I'll barter. You don't have to pay me money, but I'm not going to just read for free anymore. Um, and people have gotten angry with me for that Whoa. before. So I've had experiences where strangers will just yell at me for being a part of capitalism, essentially, <laughs> because I refuse to do a service for them for free. So I've seen like all sides of human nature. I'm like, I don't even know you, but all right. Cool. I'm literally just sitting here on a blanket offering a service, yeah, but okay. You have to stop lying <laughs> and get angry about it. I know. So that's one thing is just knowing the worth of what I offer. And even if it's just as much as saying, like, I'm not doing it for free anymore. That was a hurdle for me, for sure, because I think a lot of people read for free. But for me, it's an energetic exchange. And Asking for someone to give me something in return is less about me making money because I'm not making a fortune reading tarot. It's more about the way people show up when something is worth something to them. Absolutely. And sometimes that's like, you know, a person will give me like a burrito And those will be the best readings because they're like, this is a valuable thing. Here's sustenance. And I I will receive sustenance in exchange. That's legit. Yeah, I definitely do. So that's one thing. Um, I'll also say because I think people have a lot of illusions about what it means to be a tarot reader. I find reading for myself to be very, very challenging. Hmm. And I think people often talk about it like, or even take a picture of their tarot reading and will be like, reflective Sunday, like I did it. And (laughs) (laughs) I just like want to air to the universe that is hard to do that, honestly. So I've had a journey over the past years of reading tarot where I've had to kind of come to a reckoning and, you know, say, are these sort of like gestures at readings that I do with myself really the work? And I've had to push myself to show up the way I show up when other people are there. And I think that kind of honesty with yourself is challenging. And we have so many tools to avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll just say that that's something that continues to be a battle for me 
and similar to what I was saying before about barriers to this practice, I don't want people to think that it's like you ascend and suddenly you read a tarot card every day and it's like all peace, calm, meditative experience. It's like, no, sometimes you pull like the three of swords and you're like, damn it. Why? <laughs> and you want to just like put it down and walk away and not deal with it. Or you can do the hard work of showing up and being like, okay, where is that mm -hmm. in my life right now? So that's a challenge for sure. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Yeah. All right. So here's one that's uh, maybe a little less serious. Uh, I recently bumped into a long argument on Reddit about whether or not tarot <laughs> should be capitalized or not. Um, my feeling is it's the name of a deck of cards in the system of divination. So I think it's proper noun. But what are your thoughts? Oh, man, this is a funny one, because I've also been thinking about this question as we have been pronouncing the word differently, um, which I also run into is people will be like, but wait, Hannah, tell me for sure. Is it tarot or tarot? Is it capitalized? Is it not? And I have the best bullshit answer, it honestly. <laughs> I don't follow a rule. Sometimes I capitalize it. Sometimes I don't. And my inner English teacher throws a fit about it. But I kind of use it intuitively. Like there are times when I feel like I'm talking about something sacred, upper caps, like I am about it. And sometimes I'm like just describing the practice. And I think that maybe using both for me is kind of like what I was touching on before. I think tarot is multiple things. It's both the lowercase tarot and it's the uppercase tarot in different situations. But it's kind of a cop out <laughs> answer. <so. laughs> I, I'll accept it. It sounded good to me. Yeah, I, <laughs> Basically, my answer is I do what I want. I, I, <laughs> I mean, as you fucking should, guys, as you should. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm self-taught, too, so that's why I pronounce it tarot and I just, like, I've heard so many people who know so much more about tarot than I do pronounce it tarot, and I just don't. <laughs> That's kind of my story. I just don't. It's perfect. <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> um, so are there any really memorable readings that you recall, like either for yourself or somebody else? Mm, yeah, um, I could choose a few. I mean, I remember pretty vividly, for example, the first time I read without resources, as I call it, like when you just read from the heart and from what you know. Um, I was actually at Bread and Puppet. Now I mentioned Bread and Puppet when I did that for the first time. Um, but the the reading that came to mind when I read this question was um, I was reading in Laurelhurst Park, actually, and... Uh, this person came up to me and, uh, you know, took, a, took me up on my offer to do readings. And this person practiced therapy with psilocybin okay. and was like a very intuitive person. And so it was the first time I'd ever done a reading for someone where I sort of intuitively connected with her and I was reading for her with words for sure. But it was more of an energetic transfer than anything else, like holding or almost like opening a curtain for someone to release something. Um, I love 
supporting people in their reflective process and especially people who are taking care of others who often don't hold that space themselves. So that was just a powerful experience just to like sort of viscerally feel how I was helping someone because I think it can be so elusive as like a service of thinking of it like offering something to someone because it's transient. It happens in time and then it's gone. But that particular reading just totally reinforced with me. It's like there is energy happening. And I don't know if I have language to describe what that is, but I know it's happening. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good point too about maybe language can't always capture everything, you know, right? Definitely not. Unfortunately, (laughs) I would try. I would try. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think you touched on this a little bit, but uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about why you decided to to write your book and maybe a little bit of what that process was like? Yeah. Um, So first of all, I'll say that Tarotry was kind of the resource I always wanted to have. And I think that's kind of where it came from for me. Um, I have a lot of tarot books I love, but they often come, the information comes packaged in this kind of prose that can be kind of cold and calculated um, or seem distant in any variety of ways. And I wanted to create something that, because my experience was often initially reading from books to read tarot. I would use my source to sort of explain what a card might mean And I would read it out loud. And so I realized how important the sound and cadence of that language could be in creating an experience for people. So I wanted to create something where if you pulled a card, you would have something to turn to that was designed to be read out loud and could support a feeling of magic happening. And I think of like, you know, the witches in Macbeth, for example, with their rhythmic poetry invoking things, you know, that's like, there's a classic connection between poetry and magic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, So that was kind of my initial inspiration. Once I caught the idea about a year and a half, two years after we did the Arcana Obscura project in Chicago... I just got the idea of like, what if there was a resource about territory that or about tarot that's all in poetry? And I was kind of seized by my muse at that point. It was a couple years ago in the fall. And the first draft of the thing came out over the course of like two months. It happened fast. And it felt kind of like channeling. I mean, again, like I've had these experiences that my secular upbringing does not have language to explain. Like, I don't know if I can say that in my personal individual life, I have access to all the wisdom that kind of came out when I was writing this book. I think I maybe intellectually have access to it in some way, but the putting together of everything felt like another voice coming out through me, which is a challenging thing for me to even say because that challenges and belief systems I had before it happened. So Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, 
all I can say is that this book is a gift as much to me as it is to other people. I use this book in my own practice. That might sound a little like navel gazing, but no, I, um, it's really the resource I wanted. Yeah, I love that. I mean, why not create the resource that you think should be in the world and that you think would be useful? Like, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So that's kind of the cool. story. That's great. Um, I Lots of me pacing around and practicing rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I've read it cover to cover at this point and I think the only thing that you know, I think that um is missing is this is one of those rare books that has almost no smell what whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best feedback I've gotten. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I am that weirdo. Yeah, that we all the books, so. <laughs> You have to. <laughs> it, you know, you're right. It really doesn't smell like anything, does it? That's kind of disappointing. I wonder how you could make that happen. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, so we we printed this through Coltab, which is a Portland local publisher, or I guess printer would maybe be the more accurate description. Um, but it was like true, very truly my first experience doing something like that. So this was such a first draft in so many ways, you know, like I didn't really even know what it was going to end up looking like in the end. I'm pretty pleased with the end result, but <laughs> choosing like the paper and the weight of the cover and the coating on the cover, like it was a whole experience that I was like, I have no <laughs> experience to back me up yeah, with this. Sure. <laughs> But I'll I'll note that next time I'll be like, hey, Coltab, can, can I we smell uh, all your get some old book smell up in here, please? <laughs> right <on. laughs> all right. Uh, are there um, any other projects you're working on right now? Actually, yes. Um, so here we are in quarantine. We all have lots of time on our hands, uh, and I just so happen to have finished taking a bookbinding class this winter. So I'm binding books and selling them through the Arcana Obscura website. Um, And that's kind of been my project as of late. It's a very calming meditative practice. And I mostly am just doing it for those reasons. But I'm selling them and sending some of the proceeds to local COVID-19 relief efforts. Oh, that's wonderful. Just because I'm doing it anyway. And people might want a meaningful journal to write in at this time so um yeah those are on our website you can go to arcanaobscura.squarespace.com slash shop and you can buy tarotry there or you can check out the handbound books I've awesome been awesome Pretty cool yeah um do you have any advice for people who are maybe just getting into the tree? I know you talked about this a little bit, um, but maybe people who are interested, hesitant, maybe for one reason or another? Yeah, I think my big advice, and this is maybe repetitive for the things that I said before, but tarot has been reinvented a million times over, and especially in like the last few years has been undergoing even more reinvention, uh, you know, more investigation into how pervasive whiteness is in tarot culture, how gender works in tarot, all these things that I think historically may have been 
barriers to entry to practicing. And so I, what I try to tell people is that, first of all, there are so many tarot decks out there. If you search, you can find one that resonates with you and that tells your story. And I think that that's really important is for people to feel connected to the deck because I think without that connection, it can feel challenging. And the other thing I'll say is just it, what's beautiful is that it can be whatever you want it to be. And I know that there are people out there who have their rules about how tarot could should work and they might spite me when I say this because <laughs> they – might be traditionalists, but in my opinion, like make it as secular or holy or mystical or purely reflective as you want. And if you feel resistance to it, be curious about that resistance instead of assuming that it means that tarot itself has some quality that is barring you from using it. I love yeah, that answer. That's, yeah. that's legit. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, you answered a portion of my next question already. Uh, they, you know, our listeners can get a copy of your book on your website. Um, but what mm -hmm. other books might you recommend? So I call uh, there's this book called The Ultimate Guide to the Writer Weight, uh, which was written by Johan Feibig, Feibig, and Evelyn Berger. Um, everything that the two of them write is gold, in my opinion. I consider that the ultimate guide to the writer weight to be kind of like my tarot Bible, if you will. It's kind of where it all started. It has a voice I really like. Um, and they also wrote the guidebook to the edition of Dali's tarot deck that I have, um, both of which are just stunning visually, but also the language is really good. And I'm kind of a I'm picky about my tarot guidebooks, <laughs> so I love that one. Um, and I'll also say that I love the website Little Red Tarot. Uh, there are lots of great resources on that website about queerness and tarot and other lenses in looking at tarot, as well as it's a great place to find new tarot decks and read about what other people are musing about when it comes to tarot-related things. Awesome. That Dali deck you mentioned, is that like Salvador Dali, the artist? Really? How do yeah. I not know about this? <laughs> yeah. All right. So after this interview is over, that's gonna, I'm going to find a copy of that. <laughs> that's very cool. Uh, yeah. I bought it through Tashin. I believe it's pronounced T-A-S-C-H-E-N. Yep. I just um, found it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so gorgeous. It comes in this like purple velvet box and the guidebook is this like large beautiful it has a smell <laughs> <laughs> volume. It's just and the and the deck obviously, I mean if you're a Dali fan, it's beautiful, but he pulls from all kinds of art in making the deck like some parts of it are almost collage or homage and um it's just a really cool deck i recommend it if you're yeah a fan. I, i'm cool. i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> so do you practice any other aspects of the occult or is tarot like pretty much like the central thing so i dabble um 
I have more recently been studying astrology quite a bit. Um, the astrology of right now is just something else, especially given everything that's been happening. Um, so that's been something I've been studying a bit more. Um, I'm also reading a, a big old book about ritual and specifically creating ritual. Oh, which one? Um, so... Oh, man, what is it called? I might have to go grab it. One second. Okay. It's called Ritual Craft by Amber Kay and Azrael Arian Kay. Okay. Aaron Kay. Um, it's, it's, it seems to be, like, uh, largely a Wiccan background for the authors of the book, but it's kind of what I love about it is that it has a similar ethos to some of the things I've been talking about, like making your ritual practice, whatever works for you. Um, they use kind of similar language like that. And I'm thinking about crafting more poetry in that vein. Um, you know, potentially poetry to guide personal ritual in the same way that tarot tree kind of guides you through the ritual of tarot reading potentially creating some more poetry in that vein. Cool. So that's my current resource yeah. of choice. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Up to date with that. Cause that sounds really cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Well, while we're all here, are there any questions you want to ask us? Um, so, sort of selfishly. I'm just curious how you found Archon Obscura slash. Yeah. Tree. So, um, last summer I frequent this, um, once a month, roaming open mic thing that you kind of have to know people to get invited to and you're not really supposed to say the name of it on uh yeah <laughs> i know what you're talking so about so you went to that and uh, i was the first person to hop up and and get a card from you when you did a reading there i think the empress uh was the one what a trip oh my yeah. god cool yeah, no. so like i went home that night and found your kickstarter and uh threw money down on that and actually um we've kind of been talking about the being excited about the tarot tree book on the show and it, encouraging people to to check it out before we released so <gasps> oh so generous of you You're thank you i appreciate yeah, that. actually um interestingly enough i decided to draw a card before we got on air today and i drew the exact same card i drew when i saw you the first time <gasps> The Indeed, Empress, yeah. huh? Yeah. Some nurturing, <laughs> some creativity. Uh -huh. There are also three of us yeah. here. Heyo, oh, the yeah. number Ooh. three. She's definitely my girl. Um, I love yeah. the number three. <laughs> yes. Yep. Triangles are my favorite shape. <laughs> I, I actually have only one tattoo, and it's uh, tarot-inspired. It's based on the three of oh, cups. Okay. So I am particularly attached to the number three. So I think that's a good omen. Me too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I was also going to ask, um, I know one of you is a Portland local. Yeah, I am. Are both of you Portland locals? No, I live on the East Coast. Far, far away. <laughs> far away. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, rad. I've been all over the place, so I feel you. But um, 
I was I've been curious about esoteric communities in Portland. Um, I like I said, I moved here three years ago, and I feel like I'm still kind of putting my feelers out into that community here. I know it's here. I'm just like, where are y'all at? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you are a part of any communities or anything like that, but I'd love to hear what you I, I'm know. not. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I moved here uh, f- four or five years ago, and I still haven't really found or connected with a, a community. Uh, moved here from Chicago as well, actually. What? Yeah. Well, it sounds like we <laughs> should make some community <laughs> happen then. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. I'm, I'm game. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how this is like, of course, the times. Like, yeah, right. Well, you... <laughs> we're like, let's build community in quarantine. Right? <laughs> but at the same time, it might be the best time to do it. You know. I think you're probably right. I was I was so wondering about that too because I was like, so this person's a Portland local who dabbles in the occult who is a teacher and now you're saying is also spent time in chicago yep. <laughs> like definitely we should connect yeah for sure for sure it's a lot of common points yeah quite a few um yeah yeah we should uh link up somewhere outside of this i'm game um and any other questions you want to ask us or anything at all hmm um, well, one question I have been asking people who have enjoyed tarotry, I'd mentioned some potential projects moving forward. And one thing I am considering writing, I haven't really started, is creating epics that are similar to The Fool's Journey for the miners. Mm-hmm. But I'm also curious to just ask people who have appreciated it as a resource what you would want in poetry form to support your tarot practice. Yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciated uh the poetry of the major arcana. It uh you know, I would actually pull out the cards and look at them while I was uh reading through the poems and I, I think yeah, that would be helpful for for the miners as well. Yeah, I agree. If that answers your question. Cool. If, is there anything else that you feel like is missing for you as a poetic resource in your tarot practice? A no is okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm going to have to go with no right now because I feel like, like I sort of said before, uh, you know, tarot is a thing I've picked up and put down several times and it's never sure. really fully integrated into my practice. Um, though okay. uh, I'm working on it. So um, at this point in time, I, I can't really speak to that too much. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think the minors are where I'm headed, but who knows when, like I say, sometimes my writing impulse is very much almost like a another part of me that I sometimes access in droves and sometimes don't. So one day she might just show up and be like, it's time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. Yep. That's how inspiration tends to I work. I feel like we were just talking about this earlier. Like I'll sometimes... Um, wake up in the morning and I'll come to my workspace and I'll find that somehow in the night I've written a bunch of stuff and I don't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm like, who are you? Who's this person living in my head? 
she's a wise one, but she's also got a really weird schedule. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, All right, so <laughs> I, we don't want to be greedy. I know you already shared some of your work with us, but we do sometimes like to close out with a poem or a verse or something. And will you share another one with us? Yeah, of course. Um, I was torn about what to share. So maybe I'll let y'all choose. I pulled a few options that feel of the moment. So I was looking at the hermit. Like I mentioned, I think a lot of people are going inward right now. So that was one card that I thought might be relevant. Um, The devil, because I think we're all being confronted with our demons right now. Or the tower, since it does feel sometimes like things are coming crashing. Those are down all right such now. good hmm. options. <laughs> what do you want to listen to, Hector? <laughs> I'm inclined to go for the hermit. Okay. okay, it's you know what? It's my hermit year, so I'm into it. Okay. Yes, <laughs> hermit year. Live it up. <laughs> um. Okay, this is the hermit. Should I say something about the structure of the Fool's Journey poems to introduce this? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I wrote something in Tarot Tree to introduce it, but I like to just give people the frame that I wrote this series of poems with the Fool almost as the protagonist or the person greeting each of the cards, or in this case, becoming each of the cards. Um... And so I just like to explain that since I'll be using the word, I'll either use the fool or they to describe the fool being that sort of witness or experiencer. Um, So here we go. The hermit. Aware of how much they have to learn, the fool wanders. They search vainly for their reflection in a river's waters. After the seeking, fighting, failing, and even succeeding, their innermost spirit rises to meet the mist, still asking, what wisdom soothes the ache of all left unanswered? Without a soul to hear their cry, the fool turns inward. Then the fool becomes the hermit, raising their lantern high, rediscovering what they have always known as eye meets eye. This internal light, dimmed not by the darkest night's lament, soothes loneliness with wisdom beyond any book's contents. Here the fool learned the solace in the soliloquy of solitude their wisdom touches far beyond the reach of mere platitudes. <laughs> Thank you. And so then much. I have the yeah, of course. I have these questions and an affirmation. I like to read along with these poems when I'm reading them on their own. Um, yeah. Just to sort of bring the poetry down to earth a little <laughs> bit for people. But when do you need to be alone? What is there to uncover in your relationship with yourself? And the affirmation is, in solitude, I find wisdom. 
which is definitely a good affirmation for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A reminder that there's something to be mined here when we are faced with ourselves. Yeah, I think that's definitely good advice for sure. Definitely. We'll see if I follow it. (laughs) (laughs) I like to bring that up with tarot whenever I read with people. I I like to just bring everything down to earth. I'm like, listen, I am really good at saying a whole bunch of really great ideas that I don't follow. So don't feel bad if you don't do it because I don't sometimes right sometimes if we just say our good ideas to each other it's easier to listen to somebody else's advice than your own I don't know yeah Yeah, right it's like we're getting there one step at a time sometimes you just gotta pretend first (laughs) exactly exactly totally um before we bring this to a close do you want to just uh remind people of how they can uh buy a copy of arcanibs or i'm sorry of tarot tree or um you know any of your other social media stuff yeah so you can find us on instagram at arcana obscura uh and our squarespace website where you can buy a copy of tarot tree or at this point some handbound books if you're interested um, is arcanaobscura.squarespace.com. Um, so you can go straight there or go to arcanaobscura.squarespace.com slash shop if you want to get right to it. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we hope you're all doing well out there. Yes. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thank you.